You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast right here from Soonerscoop.com. The entire gang joins us as uh, we get ready for Texas and uh, I don't know if anyone is ready for Texas, including the Oklahoma football team, but uh, obviously the biggest questions, uh, is Dylan Gabriel going to play? And guys, I think just as important uh, is is Billy Bowman going to play because that defense and that secondary in particular was terrible after he, he left the game. I mean, I think the answer is no and maybe. I, I mean, I just from what we saw with Billy right. Bowman on Monday, Monday night, I, it, yeah. it seemed like that is going to be not even just a week thing. That's going to be a multiple week thing. Just the way that he was limping around. He has a brace on his right knee. <sighs> now he was was he not in pads? No. Okay, so he wasn't. No, he didn't practice on Monday. And I, I, unless he had some type of miracle worker uh, come connect with him over the you know the last forty eight hours, I would imagine that that's the same to be on uh, Tuesday as well as like I've, Wednesday. I've, I've digested like all of Brent's stuff. Oh, and, I'm still depressed. Don't and, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm just saying. I with, thought he was feisty, though. He with, was feisty. But I'm just saying, with Bowman, it seems like he's been more optimistic for a guy that, as you guys described on Monday, limping around at a knee brace. Maybe he thought his season was done, like an ACL, yeah, MCL deal, and instead it just might be a couple weeks. Yeah. Well, hey. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, Josh McQuistion is with us as well. Um, I, since we did the post game all together, I guess we've gotten our thoughts out there about what we're seeing. But just I don't know how much you've kind of rewatched it, or if there's much left to if there's any meat left on that bone. I mean, it was just awful. I mean, it, I, I think maybe the direction we go is just talking about last night. We got to talk to defensive players. Uh, if you talk to, I think Deshaun White, you felt like okay, maybe they can turn this thing around. If you talk to Justin Harrington, maybe you felt like, okay, these guys are still in denial a little bit. Well, I, it, it, I've thought about this. We talked about this this morning, Bob. It just, it's one of those things that, on one hand, I think you want them to come in there and basically burn the thing down. And, be, and I don't know what that would be through word as far as like what you want to hear. You just want to feel better about the situation. But I also understand the flip side of it, and this is the side that they've taken as far as we got to make some changes. Like it, I know that they are embarrassed by how they're playing. They have to be better. It's obvious. But there's nothing that can be said between Monday and Saturday down at the Cotton Bowl that will make anybody feel better about the last two weeks other than them going out at 11 o'clock and simply not being terrible. 
I mean, if they think they're far away, then their season's over. They have to believe that they're just a play here, a play there, or, or else you know, there's no way their confidence will ever be restored compared to what it was the first three games of the year. It's just one of those things. It's like I think everybody wants to hear them come in, and they want to hear Brent almost kind of say the same thing, throw everybody under the bus. But the flip side of that, if they did come in and say that, would be, well, this team's in turmoil after five weeks. Wouldn't it? Like, that would be the flip side of it. And everybody would go, well, what the hell is going on in the locker room? That's the biggest problem. So it's really a no-win situation. But at the same time, it's one of those things that I think everybody just wants to be made, I don't know, felt, feel better about the situation by their words when really there's nothing that can be said. I mean, it, you know, com- it comes down to you have to show it on the field. That's what sure. that point they're at right now. It doesn't matter who's your coach, who's coaching you, how how good they are, what they've done in the past. Like, you have to go out on the field and perform. You have to tackle people. I mean, that's what Deshaun White said last night. He was like, tackling was bad. I mean, like, we got to fix tackling. We got to fix this. We got to fix that. Like, he can see what needs to be fixed. I think they all can see what needs to be fixed. It's just, can they do it? And, and it's to such an inept level in that TCU game, I, I, I continue. Like, this week, I just feel like the coaches don't deserve blame at this point. I mean... The players were so terrible, oh, I, I like, mean, and, and just executing things that they that every team is expected to execute. Ted Roof said it best. I mean, they they don't have a defense where you just let a guy run by you and he's open <laughs> thirty five yards down the field. I can't believe that's a real answer, Josh. You're kind of uh, you're obviously not an outsider, but I mean, step you're you're outside of the state. You're taking in the interviews that we post and everything like that. What is I guess. What's what's the tone that you get from some of these guys that maybe we're blinded by by being, I guess, quote unquote, around it every day? You know, my my feeling is Ted Roof gets put into a tough spot because I think we all know this is Brent's defense. He's designed it. It's it's his deal. And then Ted Roof has to walk out and answer questions like it, it's not. I mean. There's no A, you're exactly right. There's no answer he's going to give that's going to give people the pound of flesh they want. Like that, that there's, it, he could come down fire and brimstone. He could come down positive. He could come out any way he wants to and people are going to object to it. Like there's just no way around that reality. So I, I just think that it, it, it's all, it's all meaningless to me. Like, cause we, we heard like, and Eddie, what's funny to me, and I've come to this reality in the last 24 hours, kind of after the idiot, I'm not sure I'm not kind of on your side of the whole Kansas State TCU conversation. Like, <gasps> no. yeah. Welcome home, buddy. When I go back and look at that TCU game, I'm like, you take four plays out of this game, and it's not that, I mean, like, it's not good, it's not pretty, but it's survivable. The the Kansas State game, like, you just got, like, over and over, like, eight yards here, seven yards there, like, just on and on and on. They made some stops throughout the game against TCU. Now, they didn't make nearly enough of them. I'm not trying to tell you that outside of those four plays, they were great. They, they were not. That's not what I'm getting at. But it felt like Kansas State was more consistently problematic for OU's defense and, and wasn't caught, like, wasn't doing anything they hadn't seen. Like there, there wasn't anything that was like tricky about Kansas State. Now, not that that TCU caught OU off guard, but there are some things that okay, I, I can sort of understand how this happened or that happened. One guy gets out of position and you really get punished for it. But 
that's the thing I come away with. Like I've been watching Texas and um, uh, West Virginia, and West Virginia had some busts too that you could see, and Texas just didn't take advantage of like in the same way that you know if, if OU had been hit in the same way that Texas hit West Virginia, they're in that game in the fourth quarter. It's amazing to me that every mistake OU made against TCU was so, like, they they seized on it in such a massive way. It's just, and, like, I, I understand the other part of it, too, and I think this is the most frustrating thing for anybody that has watched this stuff over the last two weeks. It's the bust. It, it's like... There was there's a certain checklist of stuff that you thought that was going to just simply be taken care of with Brent Venables presence on the sidelines. Discipline was number 1. They've been undisciplined and that's putting it lightly over the last 2 weeks. I mean that's kind of the buzzword of the week is discipline. The bust in the secondary and even in the run game and the fits and stuff like that, it just it simply doesn't make sense to me. I'm not smart enough like from a football aspect to understand why they continue to happen. But I do understand what is coming out of, you know, Venable's mouth and the player's mouth, just as far as everybody working together, the, you know, just the understanding simply of the defense and how it works and how you need to use other guys to actually make a tackle, not just a person actually physically bringing somebody down. I get that. It's just like, you know, when DJ Graham lets a guy run by him, it's just like, what are, and it, it's the guys that are making the mistakes are guys that are the quote unquote been there. veterans on the yeah. team. And that's where I'm at the point of if it happens again on Saturday, get their ass off the field. I don't want to see them play anymore. I'm, I'll kill somebody. <laughs> Not seriously. I'm, but. I, I'm a little amazed that there haven't been any in game adjustments that could stop it. Yeah. Like, well, I don't, that's I, where I wonder b- about what Brent's doing. I did notice in the TCU game, Josh, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but Brent had not been calling plays. Like, he had not been signaling in plays, but he started doing that in the second half against TCU. Like, he was I, like, he just took it over. He was like, look, you guys aren't, you know, either getting this in fast enough or we're not you know, we're not doing it the way it needs to be done. So he just like took over. I think it's almost like when you're like with a, and I, I don't have a kid, so I can't use that experience, but it's like when you see like a, a little cousin or somebody doing something and you're like, do this. And then you tell him like to have to tell him like three or four times. And you're like, just God damn it. Just, just move, me just the move thing. here. I'll do it. It was <laughs> almost like that a little bit because sometimes he'll do it. He was doing it a little bit in Nebraska in Lincoln. Was he? But I think it's almost more out of just like, Basically, like he's just so used to doing it. I don't know. Maybe something comes over him to the yeah. point where it's like I just or just like, when things go wrong. Yeah, it's, right, it's probably like right. that. Like, like get it in. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I I I did notice that as well, Carrie. Um, that, that's his way to not run on the field. Like that's his his little access where he can have a little <laughs> mental release. It's like his tick. Yeah. Well, it look. This is to me. This is the thing with the defense. Um, Texas coming up Saturday. I asked Deshaun about this yesterday. Bob, you were there. Uh, but Texas has seen what's happened the last couple of weeks. I mean, uh, they know. Like, throw – if you get one-on-one with Woody Washington, throw it up for crap. See what happens. Like, yep. they're going to attack everything that they've seen this defense fail at over the last couple of weeks right off the bat. So how are they going to react to that initial punch? Are they going to let Xavier Worthy get over the top of them uh, and score an easy touchdown? Like – 
if that starts to happen, then the confidence that this defense has lost continues to be lost. Like, they have to, in order for them to have a chance in this game, they have to go out and play well from the start defensively and start rebuilding that confidence. Because it's, it may not be lost in every player, but you can tell that some of the players have definitely lost confidence. I mean, what they've, um, OU's trailed non-stop the last two games, and they haven't had the first score going back to the very initial, the first game of the season. I mean, if they can just get a stop on the first drive. Yeah. That's that's where we're at. Just a stop on the first drive. Even a field goal. Just to feel good about yourself. And, and, and not, make, like a, not like a, not like a, you know, eight, nine play drive. Like, that's almost a win at this point. Even if the other team scores, <laughs> if it's just a, if it's a multiple play drive beyond like six, like, you're, you're doing okay. And like, that's sad to say. Oh, they're back to baby steps. Yes, if the offense has a chance <laughs> to have the lead after both teams have had a possession, they finally have a win. And the other thing is, even I'm going to say even if Dylan Gabriel is at the game. By the way, Jeff Levy, you have got to stop with the, the, the fast offense. Like, you've got to shut it down. Like, you cannot run that offense anymore until this defense gets fixed. Like, you're hurting everyone, and you're, you're making it harder to win games Running the up tempo stuff, right? You got to slow it down. Even if Dylan Gabriel is in the game, even if he's playing, you have to kind of you have to you have to basically slow this game or lengthen this game, whatever, to, whatever you want to put. Shorten, like, you shorten the game. Shorten they have the game. to K State them. Yeah, they have to K State mm-hmm. them. That's I where just, OU is right now. I just don't know if they can line up and physically beat people up front, especially you know in the middle with Andrew Rain. They Chris haven't Murray, had any problem running the ball though. But if Texas is going to stack the box, which I would imagine if Gabriel can't play, they're going to say, whoever the OU quarterback is, all right, big boy, beat us with your arm. Yeah. I yeah. just don't know if they can do that. And, you know, I guess that kind of leads into the the quarterback situation for Oklahoma and kind of the, the mystery that surrounds that whole thing. Maybe it isn't a mystery. Maybe we're just kind of hoping and wishing that it's going to be something different. <laughs> but, you know, I, I saw it this morning. Ryan Aber put it in uh, his story talking about the backup quarterback situation. It's insane. Yeah. OU hasn't had a quarterback miss a start due to injury. 2014, Trevor Knight. Wow. I mean, that's eight years that they haven't had it. Like, how fortunate they have been. all coaches' decisions. Sure. When it came to Baker, yeah, with Kyler, like the, and then the, Austin Kendall, yep. Kyler. Yep. It's, bunch it's, of Rattler, Caleb it's, stuff. It's kind of insane to me that it's been that long since they've had an injured quarterback. It kind of highlights just how, you know, spoiled in a way everybody's been around here. Uh, I, I don't know. I think I've talked myself in. I've officially talked myself into thinking that it's going to be somebody other than Bevel if Gabriel can't play. Uh, I thought it was. You haven't talked yourself into it. You've said repeatedly, if they start Davis <laughs> Bevel, this team has lost me. Yeah, one hundred percent. I and I do like say that in thinking also that I give him the benefit of the doubt that he's much better than what we saw on Saturday being thrown into that situation down 24. He was just simply awful. Like I, I don't know any other way to say that's it. where I bring up Trevor Knight again, the 2015 game where Baker goes out with concussion. Trevor Knight looked like the worst quarterback that's ever played football. Yeah. And if you're just, you're and he not had been a starter yeah, before. That. If you're not prepared going into that moment, even if you, you say you are, it's going to look like what Davis Bevel looked like last Saturday. So maybe this week his head's on straight. I don't know what his ceiling is, but he can't be any worse than what he did against the Frogs. It should be noted here that it, I, I mean, they kind of brought it on themselves by moving practice over to the indoor facility yep. on Tuesday night. 
I don't know if that's a big deal. I don't know if it's a story. I don't know like where that trick plays, baby. They're coming. I mean, bring something. (laughs) You can't line up with Davis Bevel and just beat Texas. I don't think that that's going to be a possibility. So I don't know. Josh, you're the head coach at, or you're the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Who are you starting if Gabriel can't play on Saturday? I, I don't think it's Bevel. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say that. Like, I don't think I it's feel like bad for shitting on the kid. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I, I again, like the the style of game you're and what it, what Carrie said earlier, I couldn't agree with more. Like, they've got to slow it down. This is this is a role reversal of the last like six years of OU Texas, where OU wants to con- maintain the ball go on long drives, keep that offense off the field, all those explosive weapons that Texas has, do everything you can to keep the ball away from those guys, whatever you have to do. And, I again, like even if it is Dylan Gabriel, guys, have we thought at any point this year, wow, they're going fast, that's really keeping Dylan Gabriel in rhythm? No, that that hasn't <laughs> been a thing. So, like, like, change it up. See what happens. Like, maybe – Maybe for whatever reason, this unit's going to be better just going a little bit slower and having a little more time to process the information. Whatever it is, just try something that helps him get more comfortable because clearly it's not happening right now. But to me, I mean, I, I think you've got to control the ball. You're going to run the ball a lot. I, if you get an athletic quarterback out there that's actually dangerous on those read plays, I, I think it gives you something. And, you know, you guys talked about it. Like, obviously, Texas, if it's not Gabriel, they're going to load the box. They're going to have everybody in there. I think that plays okay for Oklahoma because, okay, we answer by putting Daniel Parker and Braden Willis. Bingo. Like, that's a battle that, oh, you can win. Like, on the edge, they should be – because DeMarvion Overshone, as talented as he is, he's like 220 pounds. De- Daniel Parker gets his hands on him, and it's over. Like, there's just that, – that's, that's not a fight Texas is going to win. So – I think there are ways that can play into things for Oklahoma, and they can go on those 12-play, 70-yard drives where they're just kind of just slowly getting down the field. I, I and again, I guess I think I'm talking myself into crap here. Yes. Like it may be total. It may be it total is Wednesday. <laughs> We're here. Yeah, by Thursday is like, usually when the turnaround comes. But I, I think the offense. I can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, if the defense is anything like they've been the last two weeks, it's all for naught. It doesn't matter. See, I'm almost the exact opposite. Like, I I think the defense will at least be respectable. I, I would take a, a tier below respectable, <laughs> considering where they're from. But if they don't have Gabriel, Marginally I just have good. no idea what they're going to be able to do offensively. Like, it's going to be extremely tough to move the ball. Not terrible. I mean, I'm trying to find the right adjective. I really, it's it's so bad. It was so bad on Saturday. I'd like to know about the first quarter. Marcus Major, because if they could do all three running backs, just keep them going, keep them going. They've had and Major would be perfect for the kind of game we're talking about. We're just a sledgehammer, just going to keep hitting you and kind of win later in the game. Well, and that's the you know, isn't that the cliche line that you know the team that runs the ball the best at the Cotton Bowl usually wins the game. Uh, now, who's to say that OU's going to be able to stop Bijan Robinson? That's a completely different story. Oh, that's scary. Defensively, over the last two weeks, OU's given up 14 plays of over 20 yards. That's hard to fathom. Like, that's not even, like... Where after the first three games, there's one play over 30. Right. It's insane. It, it really is insane. And, I mean, last week, you're talking about six plays that went for over 320. 
Six plays. That's in, that's more than fifty more than fifty yards per play. I just is that bad? Is that is that not good? It, it's it's not it, good. It's almost like and I I guess that's where you go back to this idea that I mean is it just small changes that need to be made? I defensive line's been just so overpowered over the last couple of weeks, and you would think that they'd be able to help them at some point, but there just there has been no help there. I mean, if the defensive ends get manhandled like they did a week ago, it's going to be another long day. I know well, we, and let's face it. I mean, the thing that came out earliest this week is the play of the defensive ends. Uh, Reggie Grimes, Ethan Downs, Stripling didn't play. Uh, you know, Luwalu was nowhere to be found either, and he'd, he'd been doing some things recently. But those guys getting manhandled is the biggest problem. Yeah. Well, and the linebackers have just been like, it's one of the many questions about the defense right now, but like, what's happened to Danny Stutzman? Mm -hmm. He looked great in the first three games. He looks tentative. And he, he does. He's taking short choppy steps. He's not like, he looked like a, uh, like a missile in the first three games. He Mm -hmm. knew exactly where the ball was And Josh. Is that something this guy, right? Is that something that he's just thinking too much? And then that leads into the question of, how can they simplify it for him? Is that just not studying enough? I Is it just simply playing better teams where the defensive linemen are getting their ass kicked and they're getting thrown into the second level of the defense? Like, I, There's just so many questions right now about what's happening defensively with Oklahoma. Uh, guys, you know, the, the DJ Graham play that I know it's easy to go back to, and I, I, I feel like we're just burying the kid because everybody realizes what happened on that play. But... That's cover three, guys. That's not a complicated thing. Like, that's not – now, maybe it's a missed call, like we've heard about on the third and 16 mm-hmm. in the Kansas State game. Like, A, that's got to get fixed. Whatever it is that's, that's – if these are truly – the calls aren't getting to these guys, get them in fact. Like, whatever that, – that's, that is a – that's one of the few things about this that, like, that's a, that's a coaching fix. Like, they've got to fix whatever that problem is. But to me – uh, it feels, and I, I know Brent said this a couple of times, it feels like guys are trying to, oh, well, I'm not sure he's going to be where he needs to be. I'm going to do more. No, just do what you're supposed to do. Do your part and let everybody else be where they're supposed to. Because if you go back and look at that real far wide version of, of, that grand, of the uh, long touchdown pass, Everybody else plays that almost perfectly, including Justin Broyles, including David Aguebu. Everybody's, you know, whipping boys right now. They play fine. They're great. They're where they need to be. And Graham just blows a coverage. He just, and again, he may not have seen it. It may not be on him. But for whatever reason, he's not where he's supposed to be. And it's stuff like that where you're just like, guys are just not. Like it feels like they're trying to do too much and they're thinking about everything rather than just I'm supposed to be here. Let me take care of that problem. Uh, by the way, uh, one thing that's not a problem: PrimeShrimp.com. P-R-I-M-E Shrimp.com. Uh, go check them out. Uh, great sponsors of the podcast. Uh, Josh and I have both had uh, a lot of their stuff, and uh, what it is is just an easy way for you to get a restaurant quality meal. Uh, if you like some shrimp. Uh, they got all kinds of different uh, varieties, the French Quarter Alfredo, the garlic herb butter, uh, the new lemon and cracked pepper, uh, which uh, I, I'm going to order that because I've got to try it because I'm a big lemon pepper chicken fan. Uh, if you're like 
you know, a little bit more spicy, you get their signature or their Louisiana shrimp boil, or you can just get plain the Simply Shrimp and do it up how you want to do it. Uh, but really simple, no mess, no fuss. Just uh, put it in boiling water. You don't have to dethaw it or anything like that. Uh, just put it in boiling water, less than 10 minutes, and you got uh, a quality restaurant uh, meal for yourself. And really, one package feeds two people. Uh, so go to primeshrimp.com, P-R-I-M-E, shrimp.com, and use your promo code Sooner Scoop, and you get $20 off your first order. And uh, really proud of the Sooner Scoop community for uh, helping us out with the, the promo. Uh, we sold hundreds and hundreds of, of orders of prime shrimp and uh it's for a good reason they're really really good so uh go use that promo code sooner scoop get twenty dollars off your first order at primeshrimp.com uh all right um you know we can get back into the texas game a little bit but i know it's it's a little bit of a paranoia on the board right now josh about you know brent venables came in here uh you know he started pulling in really good defensive recruits now these last couple of performances have people wondering, and you've seen people come out on Twitter in support of Brent. Yep. Uh, I think Bob even said, yep. like, seems organized almost. Like uh, He's very distrusting. Um, we're trying to shake that in him. Uh, but, no, Josh, I mean, what, you know, what is the position that OU is in? Uh, is there any danger uh, right now of, of losing recruits? The, you have to defend your answer from the board chat. <laughs> I, you know, and, and I, I want to say for the members of the board that read that and for people that don't know what it, uh, Bob is talking about, uh, someone asked me in board chat over under two and a half decommitments before signing day. I said over. A lot of that is based on my feelings about where this season can go. If Oklahoma can write the ship, they're going to be fine. Like it's, it's not, it won't go that badly. Now, I don't know if that brings you any solace to know that that means I don't think it's going to go that well. But I, I think, again, if they can find their feet and they play okay and they go 8-4, and 9-3, and three, whatever it may be, they'll be fine. Like, it, it, this, they're not going to lose. It's not going to be any mass exodus. And even if they go 6-6, six and six, I don't think it's going to be a huge series of departures. But there are several guys that have either connections to different areas or connections to different staffs. And I know, you know, like, for example, and this is not a guy I'm overly worried about, but he's a guy that I know his school is working hard, is P.J. Adabare. Missouri is not letting up on him at all in any way, shape, or form. So do they get him to, hey, just come take a look, come have a visit, see, see what you think, you know, that kind of thing. And then how does that all, that all kind of can mushroom? Because, again, when you have the no-visit policy – OU has to come down and say, we don't consider you a commitment. And they have to kind of sever that tie. And some kids aren't going to take that well. Even if they know that's the game, the, you know, hearing something and living it are two very different things for a lot of these guys. So we'll, we'll see what that all means. But yeah, I, I don't think anything's imminent. I don't, I think, cause I kind of disagree with Bob in that it didn't feel that orchestrated to me. Like now maybe, amongst the players themselves yes that's, guys, yeah yeah okay okay then, then then yeah then i would agree with you there but like you know i we're so used to the stuff with like lincoln and his staff where they would have you know all they would send something out almost form to all the commitments and then they would send it all out and you're like well that just came from ou because they're all saying the exact same thing as to where this felt more just like i trust brent or boomer sooner or all good you know whatever it may be this felt a little more 
you know, grassroots than some of the stuff we've seen in the past. So you're telling me this thing isn't all the way over? No, it no they 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 haven't canceled the program. Okay, yeah, that's well, that's the good news. I don't yeah. know. I could be swayed into thinking maybe they should. <laughs> but when do they when when do they allow recruits to come in on official visits? Like you don't want to see lose to Kansas. Yeah, has has anything happened with the 11 a.m. kick for for Kansas in terms of altering things or anything? So far, nothing, but that's not that unusual. I mean, you know how that, like, usually they'll kind of see, okay, what are flights going to be like? Is it even realistic? And then, you know, usually maybe that Sunday or Monday of a visit week, they'll kind of, okay, that that's probably not going to be what we want to do just because, you know, like a guy like, guy like Caden McDonald, now he's got a chance. I don't know... Because, you know, with the time change, he gets a little bit of an advantage, that kind of thing. Now, I will say, Tassilia Kana had a similar thing. He made it to Texas for an 11 a.m. kick for the Alabama game and played a game that night before. So maybe he, you know, does it again. He just catches a red eye. And I know he really enjoyed that Texas visit, so I don't think it really negatively impacted anything anything about that trip. So maybe it's still possible. Um, it's going to probably come down to flights and what the players feel up for him. You know, and if OU feels like they can put their best foot forward uh, recruiting those guys. I've always wondered what the conversation is like with a recruit, or maybe even more specifically, a guy that is committed. Like the the Jeff Levy, Levy Jackson Arnold discussion, or whenever they talk after a game like TCU. Like I know that Jackson was there. We went and saw him on Friday, Bob. I always wonder what that conversation is like. Do they have like that real conversation where it's like, Dylan's just missing throws? Like, it's obvious to everybody, but I, I've always wondered what that behind-the-scenes conversation is like when a team is struggling, but you're still trying to be real with a guy or real with a recruit that you obviously have a good relationship with. I would be pretty surprised if Jeff – now, I think it's going to vary from coach to coach, but everything I've ever heard about Jeff Lebby, I'd be very surprised if it's not a very blunt conversation. Right. Like, just about – you know, I, I think that's just – who he is like he, he's he's you know he knows jackson's a smart kid he's not gonna treat him like he's stupid now some kids or some coaches the dynamic's gonna be different but i jackson i think is a very i don't know confident kid like i think he knows what he's walking into and he uh, he he may not hate it he may see it as well even if dylan comes back maybe i'm not in that bad shape yeah so uh, i i think there is a I think there's probably pretty realistic conversations going on. And, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, guys, this is this is why we've used so many of our scholarships on the defensive side of the ball because we need immediate help here. And you guys are the type of players that we are trying to build this thing around. Precisely. Like, I, I would have to think that Miguel Chavis is on his phone almost immediately texting to PJ Colton, or yeah. Colton mm-hmm. Basic and saying, we could use Ta-da. you. Would you like to play today? Like, could you get eligibility to come play at the Cotton Bowl? You know, Josh, it, it's an e- it's an even year, so OU's the home team. I have not heard like any big time recruiting ground groundswell about the you know this weekend. We we know the days of Adrian Peterson going to the game and maybe the winner of that act like actually matters, but I haven't heard like a like all these guys talking about going to the Cotton Bowl. I've kind of been surprised about that myself, Bob. There, there really hasn't been. Uh, I've got a list of about 
12 to 15 guys. I'm still working on Woke. We're, we're going a little early on the pod today, so uh, kind of finishing that up. But I, I've got several guys, mostly commitments at right. this point in time. Um, but there are guys like um, – but it, it's, again – OU's almost done in 23. So you're not going to see, like you said, the, the, the Adrian Peterson story where, oh man, okay, well now let me go take all my official visits. Most of these guys have, have done it all. They're, they're, they've run that race. And then whatever guys are left, the, the Caden McDonald's, the Cecilia Connors, they're from out of, you know, even the time zone. So it's just not an easy thing for them to get to, especially on their own dime. Um, but I, I think in 2024, you're going to see some names. Uh, Devon Keys is going to be there. Uh, Casey Poe, the big offensive lineman from Lindale that picked up an offer during OU's camp. Uh, in 2025, I, two of the top players in Texas are p- hoping to be there. One is confirmed in Devin, uh, uh, Devin Sanchez, the big time corner from Galena Park North Shore that really likes Jay Valai. Uh, OU hasn't landed a North Shore guy in 20 years. It's been a long time. They've got a chance with him. Uh, they, they really do. Uh, and then, uh, Jacorian Moore, the big time receiver from Duncanville is working on it. I, I think he wants to be there. I don't think he's finalized his plans, but there are, there are absolutely some talented guys that are going to be there. And I, again, I've really just started confirming over the last like 24 hours. So there's going to be a lot more that rolls in, but you're right. It, it hasn't been. This massive, you know, four hundred guys are all of a sudden like, "Oh, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to be there." That kind of thing. It's, it's been a little more quiet than that. The OU Texas weekend, uh, just recruiting in general is always kind of weird because obviously they can't talk to the players, they can't bring them down on the field. It's, it's always kind of awkward to me. It's a weird dynamic. And I, you know, you hear coaches talk about that all the time. But guys, the weirdest thing to me, and I, you know, it happened in the off season, and, and you know, I, not to kind of take us away, but Georgia and Florida right. are just now able to do this. And I was like, there's a precedent. Why, why is this? Why, why did they have to fight this? This should just have been like, oh, yeah, you and Texas have been doing this for 40 years. Okay, cool, done. Like, it, I don't know why anybody has. It is. I mean, it's such a unique experience. And Eddie, you know, like, Guys that don't even, you know, have never seen the game or don't, you know, they're not from Texas or Oklahoma. That doesn't mean as much to them as maybe kids that grew up in the middle of it. They go and you'll talk to them and they're like, I, I can't imagine not playing in that game. Like yeah. I, that, that's all I'd ever want to, you know, I, I, I might go to one of those schools just to say I did. Well, it's just like, um, they, it's you just get like, it from the player, like Jaleel Farouk, Eric Gray, like people that have never around it. Yep. They it, get it. It's now. just yeah, like, and they, you could tell like Eric Gray was just like, he loves playing in this game. Like he was just—he didn't beating. do much in last last year's game, but he loves the atmosphere. It's just like the 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 conversation that you know. I think a lot of people that have never been to the game have of we'd like to see this go home and home. It's like no, 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 no. no. You've never been. Have you been to the Cotton Bowl? Have you experienced the fair? Have yeah. you experienced the walk in? The buses coming in. Everything that goes into that Saturday, and it's one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite Saturdays of the year. And I'm actually like frightened by just stepping foot on the fairgrounds this year and it's kind of sad in a way it's pathetic on my part but it's it's just the best it, it really is the best just a bunch of like professor proton sitting at home like they should have it well it's the same people that oh, yeah. bitch oh. about the student section or the ou fans leaving early from it's people from that have never been couch. there yeah mm-hmm. never experienced Eddie, it 
you've talked about it, but if you don't have a favorite route to the Cotton Bowl, then you can't talk about this game and where it should be played. That's right. Like, that, that is a secret a, favorite you, route. Secret. Yes, you have. Yes, you can, you don't Back share roads. the route, but you have your way to the Cotton Bowl that is better than everybody else. I'm gonna tell you, some of you son of bitches have been talking over the last few years because my route's getting <laughs> more and more traffic. You need to shut your pie holes or it's, die. It's the secret favorite route. It's the it's the beer stand that everybody always congregates at. You know. Everybody has their own little nook of the state fair or around the Cotton Bowl where it's like, that's where we'll be. You know, we'll be outside gate five or, you know, we'll be outside gate G or whatever the however they do the gates. Or we'll be there. on this. We'll be on this set of benches over at this state. Right. And they yep. never yeah. and they never change. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's always the same. It, you know exactly how many tickets each beer booth is or, you know. Uh, Fletcher's corn dog places. When I was younger, when I was younger, the turkey leg was a very acceptable just to be walking around with it. When you get old and fat, you can't walk around with the turkey leg anymore. Well, it's keto, right? I will do it shamelessly. <laughs> you will. I'll, I'll double this turkey leg. I, I murder you're, turkey you're legs. You're freaking oaf. I mean, you're a massive giant man. You can I, get away with I, it. I'm pure carnivore, man. I just I want you to know that I eat turkey legs just fresh off the bone. That, that's what I do. I got to tell you, uh, like. Just, if I could have a turkey leg door dash to me, I would. Oh, yes. Like, eat that in the privacy of my own home. That every, would be Every once in a while. Magnificent. You can, you can find, like, little, uh, oh, what are they called? Uh, food trucks and stuff that will have, like, the fair food or, you oh, know, yeah? like, all oh. the sorts of stuff that you could probably find. I, me and my, I, me I'm a turkey leg and funnel cake. That's really the only funnel fair cake. foods I care about. Yeah, funnel cake is just never... I think I like the idea of a funnel cake, and then I get halfway through a funnel cake, and it's like, okay. I, I'm, I'm I've never this. done this. Never. Messy, sticky. It's good. It just, like, I get halfway through it, and I'm like, okay. I, I could have just had a quarter of this and been okay. I, I but, mean, like, that's, are you guys, like, fried Oreo and that kind of... Like, I, I can't do that. No, no the gray. Oreo is too greasy when you fry it. Yeah, it makes me feel bread gross. it and all that, yeah. I'm really not a fair food connoisseur. Like, I don't delve into all the crazy shit that they put out there as, like, the, the text... Like, we went through the list today of all the state fair stuff, and it's just, like, not so much. Yeah. Are, are I mean, you? I mean, is well, that wasting the, the tickets that could be used on wax cups, Eddie? Is that basically what that comes down to? Yeah, really. I mean, in a perfect yeah. world, the only thing that you would be doing is buying wax cup beers and maybe an Adderall <laughs> here and there. Well, you know what? the The biggest rookie move of all is at OU Texas is telling someone to meet me at Big Tex because you will I, never find them. I think it, I went more than like a decade when I started going to the fair, and I figured this is this is the eighteenth. Uh, OU Texas that I've been in been to in 19 years. Mm -hmm. The only one that I missed was because of uh, you didn't the thing get to Fauci made up. Yeah, but it, yeah, like it, it took me a decade to go. Oh, so that's it. All right, I'm out. But like big, I, text. big text, I don't need yeah. to see it. Yeah, <laughs> there's very much a like. Oh, big gulps, huh? Yeah. Okay. Have a great day. One hundred percent. It's just not as inspiring as you want it to be. It's it's one of those things like you stand there and you you hear the you know you hear the howdy folks and <laughs> and it's like okay well it's kind of cool that they have a speaker up there that's so loud everybody can hear it but that's it like that's it that's it <laughs> and when he burned down I thought it was awesome <laughs> and then he just resurrected big text on fire <laughs> that was awesome yeah then they came back with well. I don't know if it's politically correct, but now they call him the Texican. So they don't call him Big Tex anymore? Well, they call him... Big, the, officially, his name is Big Tex, but he's multicultural now. Oh. 
Uh, he, he came back with the caramel okay. skin. I I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Well, is that is that from the charring? <laughs> it could be. Yeah. It could. I mean, maybe he's lifelong scarred. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that they represent where he came from. You know that his his battle scars are there. We uh, can debate the uh, the greatest resurrections of all time. We'll do that in a separate <laughs> pod. <laughs> like there's 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 not a predefined number one. Everybody's power ranks in their own. I won't share mine. <laughs> don't want to don't want to pollute the field. I got you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, I was never I was never a midway guy. Like I I was never really big on play. I think like when I was in junior high, maybe I did it a little bit. Yeah, and then you realize. This is rigged. The, like, and you give up. Yeah, but that's part of, I think, just fairs in general, isn't yeah. it? Yep. Like, you, you play the games, you know you're not going to win usually, and but that's the thing part is, of the like, charm. You never do that, like, when you're in Texas, like, wearing OU gears, then you really feel like it's rigged. Like, <laughs> yeah. they're just rigging this because I'm from Oklahoma. Well, I think that there's nothing better than leaving the fair as, like, and we were talking about this at, uh, before practice interviews last night, it's like, that second wave of people that come to the fair like on Saturday uh-huh. evening or late right. Saturday afternoon, and they could not give a shit about what happened right. hours before the Cotton Bowl. Some of those people probably don't even know that there was a football game that day. Yeah. They're there, they're there just Truth. because it's a Saturday and it's the fair. Right. And those are the people that, you know, when I was young and dumb, as I would uh, exit the fair, those are the people that we would love to talk to. And maybe I feel say like talk to has some, extra meaning. Oh, well, you mean very, talk shit to? Well, I mean, yes, but there's been multiple fights in groups that I've been in, <laughs> uh, leaving the fair because maybe some things were said to people as they were walking in to have a lovely evening at the State Fair of Texas. Like we used to uh, act like we were handing out holiday bowl information to Texas fans. <laughs> there you go. Interesting. And that was and they fun. Had no idea what you're talk- talking about. Absolutely none. Yeah. I mean, most of the time they usually didn't even speak English, but it just, it, it's a fun time. It's a fun time to be had. I, I'm, I mean, let's face it. When we talk about football games in our lifetimes, our most memorable, some of our most memorable mo- moments are not in, in Norman. Yeah. They're, no, well, they're rarely in Norman. That's why when talking about OU Texas, it's been kind of interesting this week specifically to talk about the experience of last year, because it was so incredible. The comeback, Caleb Williams coming in, and it almost has this like dark cloud over it, like you can't talk about it, right? Because of everything that's Kayla involved Williams, in yeah. that. Marv, Marvin Mims brought up the names, like, oh my goodness! It's like you, you <laughs> can't say are that. You sure, you can't you're allowed, say sir? that name. <laughs> it it was amazing though, I, and I think that you know that the the walk from the end of the third quarter last year to back to the OU end when everything was starting to shift and the momentum and the video that what was it? Yeah, that I put out just of the crowd and like the shot mm-hmm. of like yeah. everybody going crazy. Like that's one of the most incredible, just legitimate college football atmospheres I've ever been in. Yeah. And that's, and we've been in some pretty cool places. And like, you know, a lot of that, like you said, it's coming back from Fauci. Yeah. Land, I mean, there was a certain, sure. Mm-hmm. It was, Guys, it was awesome. You know, talking about the players and you know, what they will and won't say about the past is it interesting to you, and I, maybe maybe it's more normal than, than I'm used to just because I haven't seen many coaching changes from the team I cover, but Brent talks about like, oh, last year we did this, we, or last yeah, year we, we busted yeah. on a coverage. I'm like, 
you don't have to own that, Brent. Like that that's I mean like like that's not you a you problem. And he's like, Yeah, we busted on an outside coverage and the, the receiver just went up the field and scored on that first play of the game. And you're like, That we like and like I have to do a double take every time I hear it because I'm like, he, no, no, he wasn't here. No, no, th- this isn't that old. Like and it's just a weird thing. I'm like, do coaches normally do that? It's just an interesting conversation. Well, you know, when, when you when you when parents break up and they remarry, I mean, it's not like they say they're not my kids. Is that kind of one of those things, God, though? Is that his way of saying something without saying something? In that he's almost telling you the fan, especially when he was using the example of like the Kansas game and the act, act of God, of God. Last, oh, yesterday. God. <laughs> Isn't that his way of kind of saying like? You guys don't realize how broken this thing was, and specifically defensively. Like, you should not have been winning eleven games. This should have been a seven and five team last year, and it was because of the breaks in the foundation of the defense. I almost feel like that's his way of kind of throwing it out there. And he did it the first time he did it. When we talked about this last week, was after the Kansas State game, where it was almost a tone of, "You don't realize that, mm-hmm. like the 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 job that we have cut out for us." in having to turn around a defense that really you didn't give a shit about it the last couple of years. Like last week at TCU, their offenses, specifically 17 and 18, they would have found a way to win that game 55-51 or 62-58. Yeah, you know, yep. They would have found a way. And, you know, because they were so good offensively, I think that kind of leads into like, as an example, last week, TCU's offense – when you're scoring at the rate that Oklahoma did, that puts even more pressure not on the TCU or the TCU defense, but it puts pressure on the offense to have to respond every right. time. Right. I mean, I was I've talked to a couple of people about this. I don't know, Eddie, maybe you and I talked about this, but like it is so bizarre, like watching the TCU game and the bus and not being able to execute and like watching Stutzman regress and Aguebu not play well and the the defensive ends regress, like, and the secondary continued to just be terrible. And Woody Washington, like, for him to regress like that, like, it makes me wonder if this isn't all mental. Like, if, if it's, and I don't want to get to, I'm not a psychologist. I don't want to get into all that stuff, but it is really like the, these guys, I don't know if it's, it's, they like this staff. They know that they're good coaches. Like, they don't want to let them down. So, it, like, it, they get, like, they freak out like yeah. they, they panic like well, yeah and and Brent's even didn't he 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 denied that he used the term panic when he clearly yeah. did that on his coach's show uh I, I John Shen brought up a great point we were talking after the press conference yesterday and you know you can see on television on just the tv broadcast of guys especially in the back end in that first game they're talking they're communicating they're getting calls over to the uh far side of the field everything that goes into playing good defense and over the last couple of weeks, and specifically last week when Billy Bowman came out, there was no talking. There was It's almost like somebody doesn't want to speak up because that's the signal of we don't know what we're doing or we're unsure about the call or we're unsure about anything. And, you know, once you get to that point, it's going to be hard to play really good defense. It's going to be hard to, to go full tilt because you don't want to make a mistake. It just It just seems like it's more than just – you know, I, I mean, for Brent to come out and say they do all this stuff on the practice field and we get in the game and they panic, like, yeah, it's it's an indictment on the mentality of those guys. But I, I guess and that's why I said it's so important for them to go out and, and make some plays early in the game, get a stop, not let them score first. Like, 
they have to build something because this thing yeah. has been essentially burnt to the ground. You have to get some type of confidence, some type of momentum in knowing. And that's why it was so disappointing. You know, go back to the K-State game where they'd gotten three, three and outs. They were mm-hmm. starting to build momentum. And that's when it's the offense's turn to take the take charge of that thing to go down and score. And they shoot themselves in the foot with a pre-snap penalty. Or they shoot themselves in the foot by going three and out and having to punt and give the ball right back to Kansas State. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of been, you know, one of those cliche lines. If it's not one thing, it's another. And it just seems like every time that through five games that they've had an opportunity to get any type of momentum, they've just pissed it away. Whether that be offense or defense. Uh, by the way, if uh, you are... You know, going out to the state fair, you always want to look good. Um, Dead socks, he can help you with that. Uh, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. It's too uh, too late to get your socks for this uh, upcoming Red River game, but through the rest of the season, getting cooler now, uh, you want to go ahead and, and pick yourself up some of the great socks from deadsoxy.com. If you use the promo code SCOOP, you'll get uh, 25% off your entire order. Uh, but great collections, the no-shows, we you know we love those. Uh, but also plenty of dress socks. They got the team colorways. You can get your crimson and cream uh, socks for game days. Uh, also, uh, just their dress sock collection is great. I mean, uh, if you want something to wear every day that looks great, that stays up on your uh, on your leg and doesn't uh, slip down around your ankles, go check them out. Deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. We all have them. We all love them. Uh, wouldn't wear anything else. Uh, use that promo code SCOOP. Get 25% off your entire order. Okay, um, outside, I mean, you know, really, I, th- I think we've broken down kind of what we're looking for. Got to get a turnover. What, in the what, com- got to get a turnover. What do you guys think about just... Got to play the freaking ball. I mean, that's, that's the They haven't had a turnover like, in the first half this season. What do you think about just Texas offensively? Yeah. Like with the, with the, the juggling of quarterbacks, Hudson Card, Quinn Ewers... Bijan Robinson's obviously a problem. Xavier Worthy's obviously a problem. I mean, Whittingham's really good. I, I mean, it, I to a certain extent terrified of what Jatavian Sanders yes, could do to this yes. defense. He's I a mean, matchup problem. Yes. It like what's the answer there? Like I think if if you're Texas, and this could be because of how Oklahoma's playing defensively, it's like why rush Quinn Ewers back? Hudson Carr's been good enough. He could be Oklahoma. Totally agree. Totally agree. Well, and I I think it depends on what his Ewers been able to do. Like, sure. you know what? Hudson Card's getting better and better. Like, you don't want to you know kill that momentum if Ewers is just now coming back. Like, if he if this is the first week he's really been practicing full go, like I wouldn't risk it on this team. The, the way, way they, what we've seen, the way that you said it yesterday, it's like I mean, with the way that Oakland's playing in the secondary right now, Hudson Card can throw up a money ball. And they're either going to get a pass interference or they're going to be able to complete the play. Just go out there, uh, Hudson, just go out there and play 500 with your receivers. Well, and Hudson Carr can obviously beat you a lot, probably more. I mean, shit, Ewers might be able to beat him with his feet. But, yep. I mean, Hudson Carr can do it a little bit better, I would think. Did you guys not grow up playing 500? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. That was really good I was curious, curious if that was like a Southeast <laughs> Kansas thing or not. I'd sure, I'm sure hands. Out on the on the uh, on the streets of uh, Hickory Hollow, just five throws and it was over. Yeah, that's all I need. <laughs> Unless I played with somebody taller, which was the case a lot. I don't even know what the rules are to that anymore. Well, they probably don't play. It's probably been canceled. I would imagine that got canceled. Like the bomb ball, like you can't say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think. 
smear Eight, the. No, yeah. no, that's when. Yep. That's when. That, that's gone. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I knew. Growing up. I, I think so. I remember playing. Well, that, that one game should lot. be gone. I mean, <laughs> let's face, let's not act like oh, cancel. No, you should. <laughs> that should be gone. I mean, the name should be gone. Right. Um, the idea of young boys just beating the living crap out of each other. That, that's that's probably long live. That's a time honored tradition. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> It's right up there with want to see a dead body. What do you think they're going to do offensively, Josh? From which side? Texas? Yeah, just, just Texas in general. Because I do think that, like, I mean, it, it's fascinating to me that both of these teams are 3-2, and two, and it seems like both of these teams are just light years away from each other. I mean, arguably, Texas is four or five plays away from being 5-0 and oh and probably the number two team in the country right now. Or, you know, yep. that's debatable. Yeah, top Wherever five. they would yeah. be. Yeah, I mean, they'd be in serious playoff conversation. Um, You know, with Texas, like I said, I I think the Jatavian Sanders thing, I know everybody's going to talk about Bijan and Worthy, and don't get me wrong, they've got a chance to have big days too. Oklahoma, even when they're playing well, they have some problems that deep middle. Like they've they've struggled with that. You know, you go back to the that Nebraska opening drive where they that big long touchdown down the seam. I mean that that is been an issue for this team and a guy like that running up and just going up the uh between the hashes golly i mean he he and jatavion's a guy uh you know for those who don't remember was a big time recruit out of denton ryan was a teammate of billy bowman's um so there is a uh, you know he he's a guy that he looked at ou and just never really got that invested but he's a guy i like as a defensive end so i mean to kind of give you an idea of his size he is a Legit 6'5", probably pushing 250 now. He's a big, sturdy guy, really runs well, um, and is a better blocker than I, you know, watching. Again, I'm still working on Under the Hood, hoping to have that out on Thursday. Um, and I, he he's more complete than I would have expected him to be. And so then you throw that in and you throw Bijan. I, I, again, guys, I don't know why you would put this game on Quinn Ewers or Hudson Card until you had to. I'm going to keep handing it to Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, who everybody loves Bijan. Roshan uh, Johnson is a problem for a team that's struggling to tackle because he will you will drag him to the ground. He's not going to give you anything free. He runs really hard, and is just a guy I like a lot. He's one of those guys that, you know, even as an OU fan, I, I would think most OU fans could watch him and just be like, I respect that dude. You know, he plays hard. He plays tough. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would expect a 60-40 run. Like, I, I, I'm i going to force Oklahoma to show me they can run. They can stop the ball consistently, stop the run consistently. There we go. You thought little Jordan Humph. Yeah, I'm little I'm Jordan terrible. was tough. PTSD. <laughs> you talk about PTSD. Wait, little wait, Jordan Humphrey. Wait for Sanders. Carrying oh guys. 15 yards down the field and it like this is why the defense has a has <laughs> PTSD. yes yeah. well texas i mean texas even if oklahoma was playing well defensively it's a tough match it's been a one possession game ever since 2014 yeah ou's gonna have the roles are completely reversed in that you know obviously oklahoma's an underdog for the first time in this game since 2009 they have to play the game that texas has played so many yep. times here over the last you know decade or so where they're outmatched, we think, at least on paper, from what we've seen. Maybe not just on paper, but they're overmatched, and they have to go make the turnovers or or force the turnovers. They have to go out and be the team that you look up in the second quarter and you go, 
where the hell's this been over the last couple weeks? Which is rather depressing. It's like the David Ash game plan. Right. I mean, they kind of have to play that game where, and I think that's where you lead into like, you know, you got to throw everything at him, whether it be trick plays or a fake punt or, a, you know, a fake field goal. You have to hit those right spots. Yep. And that's going to be interesting because Brent Venables is going to be calling this stuff Never truly for the before. first yep. time. But and we've also seen maybe like, that's where Jay Nunez comes in and says, like, we've seen something on film. They've shown an inability, you know, on a fourth and 13 to cover the middle. We can hit them here. Yeah. Or, you know, there, there's other things that they and maybe that's where the analysts come into this game. And maybe a Matt Wells sees something that we haven't seen before. And they go, this is where we have to throw it at them. Yeah, I mean, Marvin Mims, I, I can't believe we're even talking in this. I mean, this shows you that we're later on in the week, we're over things. But we would never, Sunday we would never have said, well, if they return a punt. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I mean, that is the type of stuff Jalil that... Jalil Farouk on kickoff returns. Changes a game. Like the Jordan, you know, Jordan Shipley back in 08. Or, you know, even last year with Caleb Kelly yeah. forcing mm-hmm. the fumble on the kickoff return. There has been countless moments in this game where you better be really good in three phases or it's going to come back and bite you. And, you know, to, for the most part, Oklahoma's been really good on the in the special teams. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Like, it's it's a little bit different kicking a field, a 34-yard field goal if you're Zach Schmidt and have never attempted one inside the Oh, we've bowl. seen Gabe Burkett. Tell Gabe Burkett. Yeah. That was the right. COVID year. Right, right. Yeah, great <laughs> I mean, point. Block punt or a block field goal in that game. I mean, it just... And then he just shanks it. Right. So, it... You know, I those are the types of things that you kind of worry about going into this game or maybe not worry about, but they have to be talked about because it's it's just a I know that like you got to take shortcuts for me going into this game. It's like there's there's two things that you can kind of count on or that you're wishing for. And it's hope that you play better defensively, which, you know, I have no reason to think that they they will. But my God, how possibly <laughs> worse can it get? And then B, it's just it's the rivalry of the OU Texas game and the weirdness that happens inside the Cotton Bowl, and you just hope that you got to hope that, that Texas really is taking OU lightly is what you got to hope. Yeah, and yep. because all those years when OU came in as a heavy favorite, like yep, nobody talked about, and I don't think they're doing this in Austin, but nobody around here talked about the possibility of Texas upsetting Oklahoma. Yeah, and that's exactly the position Oklahoma's in right now. They got to hope that. Those guys have seen enough on social media uh, and enough, you know, through the questions they've been asked this week that Oklahoma seems like an afterthought. Well, I talked to some people from the Texas side, too, just from guys that cover the team. And, you know, I kind of gave them my spiel about how downtrodden everything is right now in Norman. And it's like, well, I mean, Texas is not necessarily outside of maybe last week shown the ability to run away from somebody. And. That's, I guess that's what you kind of bank on. But at the same time, I don't know how much you can just hope that something goes right. Like I need, I need tangible evidence that says they're going to be better or they're not going to bust or they're going to be able to run the ball. And if they can't do that, it's obviously going to be a, a really long day and maybe even well, a long season. The thing to remember, guys, and everybody keeps saying, and, and Eddie, Eddie said it earlier, and he's right, that Texas controlled that game in Lubbock. They did. And they, they probably should have won it by any measure. Yeah. At the same time, Texas Tech might be the worst team in the Big 12. Like, the, there is have a real conversation. I, I, again, Oklahoma, I, they could be there too. 
I, I don't think so. I, I think the talent alone will probably carry them a little bit. But, I, I mean, the fact that Texas was in that game, like, and didn't just bury them and leave them for dead, I, you know, I, I don't know. That doesn't, that doesn't scream to me that, oh, this team's got it all figured out. I think people saw the Alabama game and kind of ignored how bad Alabama was in that game and turned into, well, Texas is really that good. And I'm like, I think there was some truth in the middle. Don't get me wrong. I expect Texas to win this game. But there is, there are some whole, like, they're not playing highly efficient football or anything like that. Well, and I, you know, I, they also only had yours for half that game too. So. Sure, and but who knows? Like I, I have found the, and I, I wouldn't base anything more than just the number out there. But it's been fascinating that that number hasn't rose in Vegas so far this week. Maybe that has a little bit to do with Gabriel. Yeah, I was surprised it was even on the board early in the week. I mean, started out what I saw it start out as five and a half. Was it seven now? It was seven last night. Yeah, I think it's still hovering around there. It's it's gone back and forth. Six. And the a half, over is one. Shock me, sixty-five. Like that. Yeah. yeah, that feels like Texas, like like Vegas knows something because that 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 line feels like based on what we've seen the last few weeks, that should be ten or twelve. Sure, that might even be that, and that might a be a little conservative. You're right. Uh huh. You're right. So like, I don't know. I I guess I just have very low expectations for what this thing is right now. And it it's a, has obviously everything to do with how they've played over the last two weeks. Like if if they would have walked out of Fort Worth with a a loss, but it's a hard fought loss, like thirty five thirty one, and TCU just happened to put together a great drive at the end of the game. You battled, you didn't get embarrassed, but I mean, it just I keep going back to this idea that we spent six days or whatever it was last week talking about a fast start. Talking about yep. like how they were going to respond. This was the loss that they needed. Them telling us. Them yeah. telling us that. Like, okay, we're more physical. We're more paying attention to detail. Like, we are ready for this. And they came out and produced one of the most embarrassing quarters. And I truly believe this. If it's not just of my lifetime, but in the history of the program to be down 27 to 10 and have given up, what was it, like 275 <laughs> yards in the first quarter... I just it it's like that's the response that this team had. Does, is the, is there something bigger that I'm missing here? And I know that it snowballed on them. You, I mean, when you you fumbled the third play of the game and it's seven to nothing. But even like you know, Kerry, we talked about this on the post game pod on Sunday, thirteen to three. Jalil Farouk returns the ball to the thirty nine yard line and Gabriel misses a throw to Braden Willis in the flash. That was a a very easy play yep. should be a pitch and catch should have been a first down. And then he misses Marvin Mims over the top and just airmails him. And all of a sudden two plays later, literally two plays later, you're still in the game. Two plays later, it's 20 to three. And that's all she wrote. Like I know it was early in the game, but my God, you're digging out of a 17 point hole, you know, literally six minutes into the game. It was very deflating. It was 14 yeah. nothing Texas, two minutes into the game. Sure. Year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, and, you know, I think that that's where it, it's only human for a lot of those players on the sidelines. As much as Braden Willis wants to, you know, up and down the sidelines, yelling at teammates, trying to lead, there's only leadership that can go so far when it's kind of, you're, you're back into the situation where it's like, well, shit, here we are again. 
So I think that there is like a mental hurdle or speed bump or whatever you want to call it that's there that they have to get over. And it just seems like even through five games, they just haven't had anything go. Like I, I they're hate afraid to say, like, like if they play well that their coach is going to leave them again. I don't know about that as much as it's just like I don't know if they believe that they can do it. They can say that they do, mm-hmm. but until you go out there and do it, and you know they've talked about momentum, and we we know how much momentum is a thing in this game, even maybe more so than a regular game. It just like I don't know, Josh. You kind of mentioned it, and it. I think it kind of rubbed me the wrong way as well. It's like you know, Brent Venables can stand up there and say this is just an ordinary game as much as he wants, but if Sark was saying that, and I think he did a year ago. It's like, yeah, you got you're lying to yourself. Like, yeah. you're lying to yourself if you think that this is just an ordinary game. I, I've never, like in these big rivalry games, like you look back through history, and the coach who tries to downplay them and act like they're not a little different, I'm not saying you have to build it and make it the Super Bowl and your whole season's lost, and I realize that's a... That's probably more poignant for Brent right now just because of, you know, where his team is. It feels like this is a, you know, a season on the brink kind of thing. Um, at the same time, to just act like, just say it some other game, that, that, man, that doesn't resonate very well. Like that, cause it's, it's different. This is the reason you want to be the head coach at Oklahoma is to coach in this game and coach in games like this that matter and that are big and that have a big national spotlight. This is, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, the only unranked uh, game in the Big 12 this week is OU in Texas, blah, blah, blah. It's still going to be the most watched game in the in the league. <laughs> yeah. Like, cool, great, good By for far. you guys. Like, there, There's a reason that these two teams are going to the SEC because as, as shaken as they are, they're still the most viable, you know, uh, I don't know. Entities. I guess, yeah, in the league. So, uh, again, I, I just – that – like – and I guess part of it is for me is like formative stuff. Like I remember John Cooper to Ohio State would always downplay Michigan. Yep. And then like as soon as Tressel got there, he's like, no, that's what we're going to beat that team up north. That's what we're going to do. Blah, blah. Like it was just very, very different. And Urban Meyer embraced it. And Ryan Day is embraced. Like, and you look at these big rivalry national games like that, the guys who accept that this is different. This is the stuff that. You know, because, guys, I don't care how they win. They go beat Texas this week. Almost everything of the previous two weeks is, I don't want to say forgotten, but forgiven, at least. Like, okay, fine. But you beat Texas. Now, let you know, everybody's going to take out Kansas. Exactly. exactly. Now you got to beat Kansas. Like, Undefeated and I, Kansas. And I get that part of what he was saying is, like, the biggest game is whatever game we're playing this week. And I, I get that mentality. I understand it. But you have to acknowledge Texas is just different. It, it, it always will be. Well, and it's, I th- it, think it's worried about emotions sure. for a team that's already teetering. Yeah, about fault like well, falling it, off the ledge. It, it's also funny to hear like Brent Venables kind of not downplay it by any means, but say it's an ordinary game. I could see him not wanting to put the pressure on his team as far as going into this game and making it bigger than what it really is, and it's you know it's a regular football game. But it's also kind of. I guess ironic in a way to hear a Justin Harrington or Woody Washington or whoever we talked to this week talk about circling the, momentum, the game. Well, and the momentum that they got last year and how it was such an important victory. And I understand that a little bit of that probably has to do with the way that they won it and the way that they came back in that game. But you can't say that it's an ordinary game and then also say 
that was the turning point in our season. Because I think it was more the turning point in 2020. Because that was the team that was sure. basically where Same this spot. one is. Same spot that they were in. They lost back-to-back games. You thought the, the walls were closing We were talking in. about playing for the future. And right? I remember Lincoln kind of scoffed at that when someone asked him about that. Yeah. No, we're not playing for the future. There's still so much to do here. And you can get, get on that run again. Yeah. No, there's, I mean, it's... I think more than anything, and I don't want to make like a bold statement about this, uh, about like the future of Brent Venable's career, but, and it might even be just obvious, you can't go out there and do what you've done specifically last week, because then I think that there are some seeds of doubt that are going to start setting in within the fan base if they're not already there, just as far as what is the direction of this thing? What is the, what is the overall big picture look like? under Brent Venables, if you go out and you do get embarrassed. And specifically, you know, it goes into the recruiting stuff against Texas. It goes in to just the preparation of moving to the SEC. It goes into everything. I mean, I I think, you know, if they lose to Texas, which they probably will. I mean, I want them to win. Nobody, We don't want to sit around here and have pissed off OU fans. Like, We've already done it. Yeah, I mean, we, we 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 do that constantly. I mean, it's not like we don't do it, but like we want you guys to be happy. Like, we want you to, we want you to not hate everything. Like, it's it's not fun for us, but at the same time, if they lose to Texas, I mean, you, you really have to start to question, and that would be two straight games, and we don't know how they'll play. Like, if they go out to Texas and they lose, but they play well on defense, it's a good game. It's a tough loss, but if if they go out and and shit the bed again like they did against TCU, then I'm going to start asking like, man, how far has this program fallen? Yeah, I mean, what happened last week? I it, and but we don't have to do that until we get there because we're not. I'm not trying to game plan the post game pod right now. Yeah, but. <laughs> it's just like and it, it's arrogant to say it, but the way that they lost last week and the way that sitting there in the second quarter that doesn't happen at Oklahoma. It should never happen at Oklahoma. You wanted a running clock in the second half. <laughs> second half? It's like second quarter. quarter. Yeah, second quarter. Dylan went down. Running clock. Yeah. We're good. We are good it, here. It, it should never happen at Oklahoma. I don't care if everybody, I don't care if they have the JV squad out there. It should never happen the way that they got beat last week. Yeah, but like you said, it, it to me, there's something just foundationally wrong men- with the mentality of the, the players on defense. Sure. No, it, it is. And I know Brent's trying to change that and all the other coaches are trying to change that. I mean, to me, one of the, the biggest indictments on this defense is, you know, watching Grayson Halton out there when Todd Bates is a defensive line coach. I mean, like the defensive tackles coach, like you're going to that guy and he played, he had the, like you said, he had one of the few highlights of the yep, game. Yeah. But like your the guys that you could, you have all these people that are ahead and like you've fallen down to him. Like that well, says a lot, something. A little bit of that, I guess has to do with injury. Doesn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, our Mason and Stripling, you're missing two of your top five. Yeah. It just, so you start going down the list, but there. then you get into like the, just the, just the flat out injury situation. With but Oklahoma. it's also, but I mean, you know what Ethan Downs was hurt a little bit, but I mean, I missed that. I I'm, just completely, missed I just that. saw him coming back out of the locker room. It's like, I didn't even know he went into the locker room. Yeah, I didn't either. I missed it completely until somebody mentioned it this week. Like, but I mean, my God, Lualu, uh, Grimes, like 
they they just haven't been good. They've been getting and, their. Well, ass I mean, and the thing about it is, like, you look back, like Mike Stoops was hanging on to you know it was first it was Eric Stryker was the only edge rusher he had then it was uh uh Oboe I mean was the only ed, uh, ed rusher he had they never built any depth and then Nick Benito came along and I mean that's three guys in like 10 years yeah well and I, I mean that like and you could say that at almost every position like how many difference makers at each position have they had over the last decade. And it, it's very small numbers at each position. We've talked about it. And this kind of may goes, be zero at safety. It goes into Tony the, Jefferson's the last safety that was worth a damn that played at OU, I think. Sure. And it, it goes into just the, the conversation of death. But I mean, the, I, we probably, and I guess we did to a certain extent, but I mean, they lost specifically off last year's team. It's like you lose Benito, you lose Isaiah Thomas, you lose Perry on Winfrey. I think that there was just this thought that some of these guys were going to be able to come in and step in and be, you know, serviceable on the defensive line, and they just haven't over the But last the problem is the defense has never been great. And then the offense was great, and all that stuff got taken away. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it covered it up. So, yeah, winning, like winning you said earlier, everything. like, yeah, if you have that offense, it's it covers up the defense. The defense has been shit for a long time. Yeah. So it's almost like we shouldn't be surprised that this is happening. We're only surprised because it's happening to Brent Venables and his staff. 100%. Yep. 100%. The tone would be much different. And I think that even, and it's because of obviously the way that they played in the first three games where you're leading the country in tackles for loss. You're leading the country in sacks. And you look at the box score last week or over the last two weeks, a half of a sack for two guys is all you got a week ago. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? And I mean, Josh, is that... Can they help themselves with scheme? I know that like there are going to be people, I think including yourself, if they throw out that three-man front this week, that just absolutely lose their shit, and rightfully so. It, guys, I don't feel any different than I did when we talked about it in the post-game pod. I, it's fine. Like, okay, yeah, again, it's a numbers game. You know, you put a defensive lineman down, you're going to lose a guy in the secondary. Okay, fine. I, I, I get that there's a, there's a balancing game there. But you're not stopping the run. And it seems like to me, just mathematically, to put another guy up along that front is going to help you in that enterprise. Like, uh, you're going to be better at stopping the run if you have one more big body up to at least to eat up those blocks. Because, guys, you know, we talked about Danny Stutzman and how good he looked in those first three games. A big part of that was the fact that he had guys taking bodies off of him. He's getting picked up and not able to flow to the football. You know, Eddie, you talked about the little choppy steps he's having to take and that kind of stuff. He and Aguebu were just able to run to it, just go get the ball. And, and I get um, that there is a conversation that technically they're playing a four-down front because of the alignment and the way they're doing things. But I'm just talking about having another big, strong, burly guy to eat up a guard, to take a tackle away from pinning Ethan Downs inside or letting Reggie Grimes play a little wider where he seemed more comfortable in those first few weeks. I Again, I, I don't, I, I'm not an expert. I'm not pretending to be. But there are things that just don't make sense. Like it, it's all these kind of changes happened, and then all of a sudden it started to slide back. And it's like, well, we can't go back there. Why? Like I, I don't understand – why that can't be looked at. Even, again, if you've got to go pretty basic and just be like, we're going to be really good at the the things we do and not get crazily exotic, fine. Like, And, and if that's like if you're saying, okay, well, we want to build for the future, 
okay, then what are we playing some of these guys for if it's about the future? Like, David Aguebu is not going to be here next year. Justin Burrell is not going to be here next year. Either, you know, it it feels like they're trying to live like half pregnant. Like, okay, it's going to be, it's about the future, but we're going to play older personnel. Like, man, let it be one or the other. Either you're trying to develop guys to be better going down the line or you're trying to win games right now in the best way possible. And it's, it's one or the other. David Aguebu could come back though. Damn it, Bob. <laughs> Are you trying to ex- upset everybody? Damn it, Bob. Royals can't, but Aguevu technically could, just like Deshaun White did in terms of just using the fifth year for the COVID year. It is not time for an if you care, Bob. God. <laughs> he, I mean, that, he does what he does, Josh. Just gonna let him do, let uh, him do Bob. That, that needs to be Bob's first T-shirt. Like He does he, what he does. If you, just if you care. Oh, yeah. Just an if you care. That'd be amazing. I think that'd be good. We're the only three that really get that, though. Only four. I think there's some people mm. that get it. It shows up on the board from time to time. Yeah. Does it? Okay. Usually the board gets in it. in response yeah. to me saying something yep. stupid okay. and Bob fixing me. Okay. Uh, I, I, have we exhausted the I'm OU Texas? I'm done talking about it. Yeah. I, yep. I think our thoughts are out there. And just as far as what you went to last week, Josh, uh, Petaway, the Jaquez Petaway, the uh, OU wide receiver commit from Langham Creek, I, you sent back some of the video, and there's a lot to like there. Yeah, he really, he was super impressive. I think he, I want to say he ended up with six targets, five receptions for like 130, uh, no, it was more than that. It was like 150 yards or something. Really had two primary big plays where he had an 84-yard uh, touchdown catch where it was one of those things like you're tracking on the camera, and I know, Eddie, you can relate. You're like, come on, throw to him, throw to him, throw to him. And you can just tell in his body language the ball's in the air and it's headed in his direction. I'm like, come on, catch it. And then as soon as he's behind the secondary, I mean, it's just, it's, he's gone. There's nobody catching him. Um, the idea of him and Anthony Evans in that Jeff Levy offense next year, I mean, that, that's, that's got to excite Oklahoma fans because I think Petaway has some pretty serious Marvin Mims vibes. Like there, there really is, um, the long speed is there, but he's more sudden than you think he is. He's not Anthony Evans. I think times can look a little like a track guy, and he's still kind of piecing that together. Um, but Petaway, there, there's a little more quickness in and out of his breaks, and just very natural. The thing that stood out to me, I guess, the two things. One is I've always thought of him as a really quiet guy. Man, he was given a couple of his teammates the what for just basically because you know one of them. Drew- Hunt early in the game, and the kid I think was injured, and Petaway did not give a shit. He was like, Love that. "Man, that's not going to do it. We can't win like this." Like, I mean, he was in his face, and I was ten, fifteen yards away, and I could hear most of the conversation. Um, and then the the second part was, um, he's a better blocker than I would have thought. Like, because he's kind of light in frame. Um, but he, he was willing to get in there and mix it up. And I, same deal with Anthony Evans. They're both. Guys that, you know, they kind of asked me, like, oh, do you see me get that guy on the sidelines? You know, I pancaked that dude. You know, they were, they were into it more than you usually see, especially from a kind of a smaller slot type receiver. So I, I, he's a guy, he'll play next year. Like, I, I kind of wondered, like, ah, oh, let's see where he's at. I, I don't see any way with his speed and the way he plays the game. I, I, I just, I think he will be on the field early and often. Bob and I went and saw Jackson Arnold. Uh, it was my second time. It was your first time. It- didn't Geyer didn't really play well. I, no. I, I don't think I would characterize <laughs> it as well, it. but they were up 42-7 to seven at halftime, and it's very obvious that 
you know, what did you think of your first time seeing Jackson Arnold? He's he's a pretty talented kid, a lot bigger than yes. maybe I expected the first time that I saw him. Yeah, he's a lot bigger kid than maybe a lot of people know. And he threw a really nice ball the entire first half. I'm sure the focus might have been tough as you start getting 42-7. to seven, But as good as he was, there were some throws out there that he made that they were brought down. Oh, you would have went crazy with yeah with gifts, but you know that's just the way it turned out. It was the biggest part of the, of, of the night was Peyton Bowen and his punt return really show that, that he put on. Because again, it's hard to learn about high school defensive backs because they just they're not going to get tested a lot. So when you see him do what he did in the punt return game, it gives you an idea of just what type of athletic ability he really has. Peyton Bowen, Ryan Gates, uh, Eli Bowen, the whole crew back there. I mean, it's a obviously a very talented secondary for Dent Geyer and for obvious reasons. And, you know, we, we interviewed Peyton after the game. Uh, kind of is what it is. I, I don't. This is before TCU, too. Sure. So who, I, I just would have a hard time thinking that he ends up at Notre Dame, but that's just maybe i don't know i'm basing that off of really nothing he didn't he, you know he, he gave the marcus kind of the, freeman was there the stock post-game high school recruiting interview loves all three schools notre dame ou a and m you know we didn't really get into the weeds on that but uh you know they're obviously really impressive we'll we'll see dent geyer yet again i'm sure here at some point over the they course play allen here in a couple weeks on the on the bye week so uh you know It'll be it'll be really interesting. I, I think the game that we were kind of hoping that we would have been able to go to was sounds like Eric McCarty had a hell of a night last Friday. Sigh. Josh, I know well, he you, wouldn't if Bob you, had been there. You'd put some stuff out just as far as people <laughs> raving about McCarty and his performance against Dell City. Yeah, it, it was real random. Friday, I I didn't go to a game Friday, and so I was just kind of at home, and I'm I, I was just I think I was working on future Sooners actually, and was going over it all of a sudden like three different coaches um one of them from McAllister and then two just guys that I don't know if they were doing some you know some scouting for down the road or what it was or just went to see a good high school game but McAllister was playing Dell City one and two in the state and some of the rankings uh, in 5A and it was just like Dell City wins this game by three touchdowns if it's not for Eric McCarty like that that was kind of the vibe I got one coach made a Dax Hill comparison. I'm not saying I'm joining him on that bus. That is a mouthful to lay at a, uh, a young guy's feet. But he, I mean, on a night when Dell City really did a nice job bottling him up in the run game, I think he had 23 carries for like 84 yards or something real. You know, not what you would expect out of a, a major prospect that McAllister really builds their offense around. But... He had 160 yards receiving basically on three catches and, you know, scored the, uh, the game winning two point conversion, uh, scored a touchdown with like less than 30 seconds left to, to basically tie the game and send it to overtime. So, or I guess that gave McAllister the lead and Dell City came back and kicked a field goal to force overtime. If I remember yep. how that played out exactly. Yep. But yeah, he, he impressed everyone who saw him because being a guy out in Southeast Oklahoma, you don't get a lot of chances for a lot of people to see you. So him being up in Oklahoma City, which is why Eddie and Bob were going to go see him, was a, a real opportunity for a lot of people. And, again, this wasn't me hitting up coaches and being like, hey, what would you think of McCarty? This was out of nowhere. Just like, Josh, this guy's unbelievable. He's that guy, you know, that kind of thing. And so I, I think he's 
picking up a lot of respect around Oklahoma high school football. And to, I was talking to McCarty about it earlier today. Plays Dell City was number two. Dell City's now number four in the state. And now they're going to travel and go play Coweta, who's number three and also undefeated. So there's uh, there's no rest for McAllister. They, they've got a pretty serious district slate. Can I ask a dark question before we end this? Oh, no. In the weak aftermath of David Hicks, is there anything new there? Not, not necessarily about like what happened, but more so about how OU's trying to handle this and whether they're going to keep contact or has it been more of a let's give them seven days, let's you know, however x many days, and we'll just revisit. My impression would be that if David Hicks wanted to make that call, they would pick up the phone. I don't think. OU is going to actively spend time on that because what do you, like we know what went into this choice. Like right. that's not changing right now. And where it gets interesting is if there's anybody feeling more downtrodden about their situation than OU fans right now, it's A and M fans. Sure, and they go to Alabama and may just get waxed this weekend. So that is that gets real interesting. And how do people start responding to that? Because, you know, I was going to kind of tie this in with you guys talking about your Peyton Bowen interview. When I watched that, I came away thinking A&M might be the team to beat here. Like, the, just the way he answered some of that and the things he kind of, you know, talked about, you know, giving Jackson a hard time about some stuff. And you're like, okay, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it. It just kind of was the vibe I got from the interview. Everybody I've talked to tells me it's OU or A&M. Like, Notre Dame's just not very likely to be the end result from from what I have been told. So... If that's the case and A&M really starts to fall off and, you know, that defense kind of can't carry the offense around, maybe OU can sell him, hey, like, you can come here. I mean, you got a decent chance to start from day one at OU and you can be one of the guys that rebuilds this defense. And, you know, as to where A&M, okay, cool, you can go there and be the defensive guy and do all that and you're still going to go eight and five every year because you can't score any points. I just can't stop thinking about Davis Bevel wearing the gold hat. <laughs> gold MVP, really? His name in the wow. sky. Wow, you've <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, a I, long way. Two that, hours. That's called a fantasy. It'll friends. clearly be Nick Evers wearing the golden hat after it's over. I mean, the the thing that really caught me, and I think it was very obvious from Brent, was just the fact that he could have shut that down. I understand not wanting to show their hand, uh-huh. mm-hmm. but he could have shut it down and said, "Yes, Davis will be the guy." But he, the way that he worded it, and you know, I don't know if we should start reading into things that Brent says because I think that could get kind of windy at times. But like, he he definitely left that door open to to somebody, whether it be General Booty or whether it be a Nick Evers, uh, you know. And I guess in a way, stranger things have happened at the Cotton Bowl before, whether it be uh, McEachern back in you know what was that the nineties or. Whoever that was from the Texas side, obviously, but oh yeah, Hayes's dad, the great Hayes yeah. McEachern. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I would you love need to stop. You just need to stop. I, I can't. Think, I think we all need to stop. I can't. I'm. Well, it was funny. What's going to happen is going to happen. <clears throat> we can't talk OU into being a better football team right I now. I can try. <laughs> it makes me feel better. What was weird about that was Brent talking about Nick Evers is like how common fan talks about Jaron Canick. Right. Like 
it, that's it, a football player that irony, does stuff. The yes. irony of it. When as Brett talks about offensive players, and you're like, oh, well, Jeff will tell you why he can't be on the field. And then Jaron Kent, oh, well, we'll tell you why he shouldn't be on the field. That yet. would have been the perfect follow-up of, okay, flip it. What about Jaron Kent? <laughs> or let's let Jeff Levy have some time now. <laughs> yeah. That that caught my ear really funny too, Bob, and how differently they both handled basically the same conversation. But I also get it. It's like it's a it's a defensive guy talking about an offensive guy I, as opposed to I'm just gonna say this. It's also a quarterback, and quarterbacks have dads. Like they're more high maintenance. Every quarterback on the earth is a high-maintenance person. Well, you don't want to end up in a situation. Everybody knows Jackson Arnold is coming next year. Yeah. I think you, you, in a way, as the head coach, yeah, you've got you to start. Yeah, you want to kiss his ass a little bit. Well, you, you have to, especially in today's day and age where a guy could enter the portal. You saw it at SMU. And not saying that anybody on this team is close to entering the portal midseason. But it just, you kind of got to gotta play the game a little bit if you're going to be out there. Yeah. All right, um, OU Texas coming up Saturday. Uh, we'll figure out the post game uh, as we go along. I might just do it from the top of the press box, and you're having to talk me off. <laughs> no, no, it'll be the first video uh, podcast that we've done. <laughs> like he's gonna jump. We're doing that live. Yeah, he's gonna, gonna find jump. Out how much we can monetize live potential suicide? He's holding videos. hostages, and he wants fifty tickets. To all be spent on wax cup beers. <laughs> that can probably buy him three. <laughs> That'll get him two beers. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's going to do it. We'll be back again uh, for the post-game show and also the unofficial 40 next week. Uh, I don't know if you will or not. I guess that depends on Saturday. You might not want anything more to do with this football team if they put out another stinker. So we're here. We got to be here. We'll, we'll always be here. So... Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast right here on SoonerScoop.com.